heads up, there are stories of molestation and sexual assault on this week's podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Vagistine Podcast, where we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. It's Vanessa here, and this week's episode is on consent. So, yes, we've been talking about consent. Everybody's been talking about consent, but that's the way it's supposed to be. So... I'm excited because today it's a listener show and I, I mean, my rule of thumb when it comes to Vagisim is that I am not the only expert in the room ever. And you'll learn that when you start coming to some Vagisim workshops this year. But it's really essential for me that with Vagisim, not only are we learning um, new things and interesting things, but we're also learning from each other because all of us have experiences, we have backgrounds, we have a story. And we have just so much to share with each other. So I honor that. I honor the folks that made the time to share their stories with us this week. And also, it's just really important to continue this conversation. I'm super excited about just where all of these movements are going from Me Too to just initiating conversations because for so long we haven't and I feel that we're literally on the brink of starting to dismantle a system a whole system of patriarchy a whole system of silence um of shame and so I just feel like there's a lot of there is a miseducation and of course there's a time that we're doing right now for education, re-education, some level setting and just having a conversation because I feel like with every story like I was sharing with Paris last week, there are nuances. There are things that people don't know about. There are things that people aren't realizing that's happening. There are conversations that I'm having with friends who are not realizing that some of the situations that they've been in are, are they're not okay. And so we are literally opening up this can of worms. We are starting conversations. We're having courageous conversations. And I literally think it's amazing. Um, so last weekend for my birthday, had an amazing time getting together with friends, with family, and something that came up, of course, we were talking about a season, sorry, what's happening, um, you know, kind of talking about what's nonverbal communication, oh, this is too sketchy, this is too much, and one of my um, awesome male friends said that, you know, we don't really have good examples of what consent looks like in the media. And when I really thought about what he was saying, he's actually right. You know, when we're watching television, when we're looking at movies, what usually happens is that people are interested in each other and they start going for it. Like there's a vibe. And for some reason in this culture, we have this whole thing with just like going off of the vibe, which is where I feel like we made the biggest mistake. Like, it's even when I'm teaching seventh grade boys, they're like, nah, you don't, you don't talk about it. You're not supposed to talk about it. You just start doing it. And we keep going off of this quote vibe and we're completely dead ass wrong. And so once, you know, I started engaging in this conversation, he was like, where would we have learned the language? Where are we learning the language? Where are we learning the skills to have these consent conversations? And everyone that I was talking to 
of course our parents never talked to us about this of course these conversations a lot of them didn't come up while growing up especially in our teenage years and so I feel that that is one of the touch points of what I had you know asked everyone to talk about in the folks that submitted their audio files is talking about what does consent look sound and feel like and what do they like maybe you'll gain a couple skills and i also had the folks this show this this week explore um their attitudes their thoughts and opinions around the me too movement especially as it relates to black women and women of color and so every person that i had asked to submit a um soundbite this week are women of color and I specifically specifically asked for women of color this week one because I feel like we always have to elevate our voices because we're being left out of a lot of mainstream conversations around sex and sexuality but especially when it comes to consent and especially when it's coming to this me too movement and you've heard me and Paris talk about this just really exploring the reasons why even though me too was started by a black woman why are black women not coming forward? Why aren't black women, um, you know, sharing their stories as well? We know statistically that a lot of black women have experienced the same things that a lot of these mainstream um, white women are coming out and, and talking about as well. And so I just really wanted to explore that and explore our feelings around that and kind of talk through what are the layers? What are the complexities? What's going on um, that is keeping us from having this conversation? Um, and maybe this conversation is happening and we're doing it in a different way. Or maybe we just feel like there are very, there's that, you know, there's a lot of nuances and levels to being able to come out with your story. And we know this. So I had the sound bites focus on that as well. I also talked about just everyone's definition about consent. What does that mean? What, where did you learn that word? What does that word mean to you in your everyday life? And so for me this week, it's really about putting are amazing, amazing, amazing supporters, amazing listeners um, out there to share their stories. And I think there are some really profound things that really came out of people's recordings that we really need to explore. What is the what is this nonverbal nonverbal communication? What are what are people's backstories? And I think that everyone was really vulnerable, and I really appreciate that about everybody. But I think what's happening now and where I hope to lead this conversation is around this education piece. And you know, I love the education piece. (laughs) That's what I live for. And I feel in my everyday life, that's the number one thing that's missing. We are not being supported with with the skills or the language in it, to have these conversations. And so I can say as a sex educator, I've been guilty of this. Oftentimes you walk into a place and you're like, hey, this is real simple, y'all. You just need to ask for consent. 
and you leave that you leave that classroom you leave that community you leave that you know that happy hour and it's still not clear to people and I truly feel and something that I'm working on day by day is really equipping people with the skills and the language to be able to do things and providing them the space and time to practice because honestly when we think about a lot of things it's not as easy as just saying just go do this just like a lot of times when I'm having conversations with people around condom usage just saying you just need to ask for a condom or you could just get condoms whenever you want that's not the reality for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't comfortable with that. A lot of people don't have the skills. Where would I have learned to talk about condoms? Who's having that conversation? Where would I have known to, to advocate for myself to the death around making sure that my partner uses condoms and they keep it on? And So it seems easy for a lot of us sometimes, but we know that when we get into situations that we may not, if we haven't practiced or we don't know or we don't feel comfortable, that, that some of that stuff goes out the window. So for me, it's about equipping everyone with the skills, the language, and I asked everyone to give examples of how folks can gain, gain consent because that is such a huge piece of the puzzle that I feel is missing. We don't know how to gain it. We don't know how to get it. We don't know how to you know, push for it. We don't know how to ask for it. We don't know how to receive it. And so there's just so many nuances that happen with this conversation that I'm ready to explore with y'all and I feel that it's not just this is not just about men versus women there are a lot of people I'm talking to who don't know that you know that they don't have to have sex with their partner every single time and when their partner asks them it is okay yes you can it is well within your right to be able to say no I'm not in the mood no I don't want to and anything other than that is not okay. And I'm talking to folks who are like, oh my gosh, I never considered the nonverbal because a lot of the narrative that we've had around consent has solely been around yes or no. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. And when we know that's not the way that people speak, and I, we were talking about that last week on the podcast, we use words like sure. We use mm, maybe. We use I don't know which are all words that we know to symbolize something else. So like I said, we got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of nuances. And the, the key for me at this point is not only is it, of course, dismantling the, the patriarchy and the, <laughs> and the misogyny and the, the, the white patriarchy and all this stuff. It's also about giving people the skills and the tools in order for us to all make our lives better. And so I want to give a shout out to Cecia, Billy, Charlotte, Queer Latifah, which is, <laughs> love that, love that title, um, Vanessa, um, Tori, Candace, and of course, maybe while I'm editing this, more of the submissions are going to roll in, so if I miss you, I'm so sorry, um, but I really appreciate all of you sharing. I appreciate you teaching alongside me. And I hope that you all gain some, some really good insights from all these folks who shared. Also, before I let you go, um, remember to follow Vagisteam on Instagram, 
Facebook and Twitter. Remember to rate, subscribe, um, and comment on the Vagistine podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to the podcast on Google Music and Stitcher. You could also follow and comment on the podcast at SoundCloud. Also, Vagisteam is going on a college tour. Hello. So we got a few dates lined up for 2018, and I'm super excited. I know a lot of you college students are going back soon. So if you work at a college, go to a college, know somebody at a college, get in touch with them, let them know that Vagisteam needs to be up on that campus. And you can get your speaker packet at vagisteam.com. You can download it there. Or you could just email me at vagisteam at gmail.com and I will send it right to you because let's make this thing happen. I'm super excited to be continuing this tour and I can't wait to come to your college. Also, you can support the Vagisteam podcast by telling a friend, one, two, three, you could, you could assemble the squad. Y'all could get information and tell somebody about the podcast. Tell them what you love about it. Give them to listen as well and help us spread this Vagisteam gospel all up and throughout. And if you have any questions, anything that you want me to know, comments, engage with me, let me know what you feel. You can email me at vagisteam at gmail.com. You could also text me at 443-692-7802. And lastly, today... I dropped an announcement. The announcement, no, I'm not having a baby. Nope, 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 nope. A lot of my family, they were waiting for that. Ain't happening yet, (laughs) y'all. The announcement is that Vagisteam is coming out with a book. I'm excited. I know y'all read. Y'all read sometimes. I read sometimes too. But this has been in the making. I think people have been asking for a Vagisteam book since the time that I made Vagisteam. So it's coming and I am scared shitless about it. I'm scared, y'all. I could get scared. I can be scared too. I I get scared. But I told myself in 2018 that I'm walking out of fear and walking fearlessly. So that's what I'm attempting to do. So... What I need is some help in order to get this book going. There's going to be a lot of steps. I'm going to be asking you for tons of help. But right now, the help that I need is if you identify as a black woman or femme, send your questions about love, sex, and everything in between to vagisteam at gmail.com. You could DM me the questions. You could even text the questions to 443-692-7802. I absolutely need your support to get this thing started. And the support that I need right now is for you to send those questions if you identify as a black woman or femme. And I want you to send your questions about love, sex, and everything in between my way. So you can also repost, because I, of course, post it on my social media, repost the post, tell the squad to send some questions, because we need to make this thing happen in 2018. So I'm, I'm trying to start 2018 off strong. And I could only do that with y'all. So I appreciate your support. I appreciate you tuning in. And I will see you next week. Bye. Oh, yeah. Also, 
you can follow this conversation using hashtag Vagisteam. So let me know what you think about the episode. Share your definition of consent. Share whatever at using hashtag Vagisteam. I will see you next week. That's the final thing. Bye. Um, my name is Charlie. Um, I'm from Atlanta. I'm 24 years old. And I'm so glad we're able to have this conversation about consent and that we're opening up safe spaces to have great dialogue, which is really funny because I actually got into a huge fight about it with my sister, my father, and my um, fiancé the other day, mainly because I do talk a lot of crap about men and, you know, my experience with them, the women I know, um, you know, and these talks on consent just really kind of drive home how I feel. I would say my definition of consent is with when both parties have a discussion on, you know, sexual endeavors and they're in agreement on what they want to do I feel like um even non-verbally the body language is all signs of positivity and happiness and things that they're ready to do you know and um I just don't think we encourage that as far as women go one thing I will say I'm thankful for is my father having frank discussions with me you know So, um, unfortunately for me, we didn't really have it until after I started having sex. I wish we would have had it before I started having sex. Um, even the way I lost my virginity just kind of sucked. And looking back on it, um, I would say, I would definitely say I was coerced. I didn't want to do it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just felt like, um, I had to, and I hadn't really had an in-depth discussion with my parents about sex and when the time came and, you know, what to do if a guy wanted to and I didn't. I mean, of course your parents tell you no, but nobody ever has those frank discussions with you like, hey, guys will come at you like this and they're going to press you for it and press you for it and press you for it and you're going to feel like you have to. I think people kind of make it cut and dry like, well, if you don't want to, don't. Which is interesting to me because we know like one of the top ways that pimps recruit prostitutes is through coercion and talking and, you know, making them do stuff they initially would not do. Um, I think when it comes to consent, people aren't, we're not being frank. And my sister pointed out the other day that, you know, BDSM is really popular. That's why... um Gosh, I forget the name of the book about the girl and the gray guy. But um, even that, I told her, in that world, they're having strong discussions about, okay, this is what I do like. This is what I don't like. This is when I definitely don't want to do this. Like, they cover all those things before they even get into it. And I think why that lifestyle is so popular and booming because they're having frank explicit discussions about their sexual desires whereas in everyday life we don't have those discussions and we're not encouraged to have those discussions um especially especially women and I don't feel like we make men responsible enough when it comes to sex when it comes to consent you know we're we really we teach 
the boys get as much ash as you can and we teach the girls don't give out any ass we're not having frank discussions we're not telling the boys hey you're not a loser if you don't get a lot of ass and we're not telling the girls you're not a slut if you have sexual desires and you act on them so it makes people act very weird when it comes to sex and we end up making the wrong decisions just because we're not educating kids or young people as far as sex goes the right way um what are some ways partners can get dissent consent i think having frank discussions you know like even with my fiance there are certain things that i'm used to other guys i've dated they like it but he does not like those things and i violated him before touching him in places that he doesn't appreciate me touching them in which i kind of shrug off when he's a man when i had to sit myself down and say just because he's a man does not mean he immediately likes all things sexual so i i, I took myself i sat myself down and asked him do you like when i do this and he says no and i'm like okay um well I shouldn't have asked now that I'm thinking about it, but I'm like, well, why don't you like it? And he's telling me why. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that because you don't like it. Or I'm going to ask before I do those things. Or even my girlfriend, like my girlfriends, I'll smack them on the ass when it's like, I probably shouldn't touch them on the ass if I didn't ask them. So those everyday things that we think are funny and fun and just light, like they're not. And I think people just, they don't want to do the hard work when it comes to, changing our attitudes towards sexual behavior like even the Aziz and Zari thing I don't think he's a rapist or a monster I think he's a normal guy who really wants sex you know and um we don't teach guys that you don't always have to have sex you don't always have to go for it nine times out of ten women want it just as bad as you do but we're taught that we have to sit on our desires so we act like we don't when we should just encourage people to be honest about how they're feeling as far as black women in the Me Too movement, I don't know. I don't feel like we're allowed that chance to speak up, but I feel like we're kind of more harsh. Like with white women, like they, it seems to me that like they're a little more fragile in these stories, whereas black women are expected to be tough. So for black women, that don't happen to us. Like if we don't want to do something with a nigga, we not about to do it. And sometimes it's not that cut and dry. Like I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and she's like, even her serious boyfriend who she has a child with, they love each other. She even said their first sexual encounter was more him pushing her into it. Doesn't mean she thinks he's a rapist. She doesn't hate him, but that's something she wished she would have known more about. She really did it because he wanted to do it, not because she felt so compelled to do it. And I just, I just want to change those discussions. And, um, I want to create a world where women are allowed to be sexual, where men are allowed to be sexual. Um, I want to create a world where we can have healthy sexual dialogue, you know? I want to, like, try to really work hard to dismantle patriarchy and create equality for everyone. I want toxic masculinity to be brought to light so men can express their feelings so women can express their feelings and I think that all starts with having the hard discussions I'm saying this like it's so easy and it's not because like I said I just got in a fight <laughs> with my family about the same thing because according to them I'm making it seem cut and dry but I think there are a lot of gray areas that we have to hit and you know, just understand that the way we were taught isn't always the right way.
My name is Jessica, and I go by either Nola Darling or Queer Latifah on social media platforms. Um, I'm so excited to talk about consent because consent is an exciting thing. When I think about consent, I think about an enthusiastic yes, whether that's through learned body language for a partner that I have had intimate interactions with over the course of time um, so that they're able to re- and respond to what it is that I like or don't like or whether it is an explicit no in regards to something that I do or don't like. I remember growing up, um, I kind of always had a sense of consent stemming back from those days in school where we had good touch, bad touch, you know, they teach you, nobody should touch you here, um, certain touches from certain people are okay, but ultimately, you have permission and agency over your body about what's done to it, and I think that was powerful, especially because... I can't remember having explicit conversations with adults about consent or sex growing up. Um, Even though I was doing, you know, sexual health classes um, during an internship in high school, even though I later became sexually active towards the end of high school and going into college, I don't remember having those explicit conversations with adults or people that I looked up to about consent and what I allow, what my soft and hard limits are. Um, And because of that, I've kind of had to teach myself and others that I deal with sexually what they should understand about me. Um, I think that if you're with someone for a certain amount of time, it's easy to assume that you have consent for certain things. I'll give an example. I have been seeing the same person off and on for about 10 years. Um, And recently they were at my home and we were just relaxing. They were watching a game and I just took a candid picture of them sitting on my couch watching the game. And I think a week or so ago I sent them that picture um, and they responded that they didn't know how they felt about that. And that kind of clicked in my mind like okay, just because you have this relationship with someone and you've been intimate with them sexually and non-sexually doesn't mean that you always have permission to do things that you think would be okay. So consent is always checking in with someone and making sure that the things that you like or that might bring you joy or pleasure are okay with the other person. That doesn't always mean, um, having a dry conversation. I think people think that consent is like going into a courtroom and standing before a judge and listing your hard and soft yeses and hard and soft noes. Sometimes it's as simple as reading body language and noticing that someone isn't as into something um, that you might be into. Um, and other times it is actually listening to the no and not trying to negotiate the no. I think a lot of people sometimes when they are are in sexual interactions because you're quote-unquote in the moment if you hear a no you try to negotiate it and it should be a hard full stop and uh, 
you shouldn't have to coerce anyone into a yes. You shouldn't have to negotiate anyone um, or navigate anyone into a yes. I remember I was dating this guy and uh, I thought he was everything like Mary J. Blige. And uh, he explicitly told me that he was not interested in polygamous or polyamorous sexual or intimate relationships. And I responded that um, if we were to both be tested, that we did not always have to use a condom. We were in a monogamous relationship that both of us had stated was monogamous. So um, I later found out that he was seeing multiple people and that made me feel a type of way because I consented to interacting with this person with the understanding that he and I would only be interacting with each other in this way. So I kind of felt bad and dirty about our experience because you took away my choice. You ignored what I consented to. Um, so that has left me with making sure that going forward, if I am dealing with someone or someone's and they tell me something that I'm doing my best to be mindful of it. Um, I know a lot of people are trying to navigate their sexuality. So whether you're with one person or more than one person um, at one time, you just always want to make sure that you're checking in with them. Is this okay? Do you like this? Do you like when I do that? Or even if you can draw on past experiences where you know that something brought them pleasure, you can seek to do that, but you can still check in with them, you know, and it doesn't have to be a full stop unless they say no or you notice that their body language is changing. Um, I think people think of consent inside of intimate relationships and it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes you just have someone that you have a sexual experience with and so you don't always have the luxury of having that conversation or that relationship um, and knowing exactly where to stop when it comes to them. So when that happens, you need to be mindful of the no. Don't negotiate the no. Now, outside of that, if you're with a partner and you're seeking to get consent, I'm a fan of sexting. I like sexting because I want to know like what it is that you like. I want to I want to study it. I want to research it. I want to develop it. I want to know you. I want to learn you. So sexting allows me to do that with the person that I'm seeking to be intimate or sexual with. It lets me know that this brings you pleasure this brings you joy and if I suggest something it's easy for me you know to get that feedback of no or you know if they're silence it's like okay they might not be into this um, let me kind of gauge their reaction in person if I can to see if that's something that they might be interested in and sometimes people might let you know up front like what their limits are I have a partner I know 
that he is not interested in any anal play. So I'm not going to play him and get real hyped up and, you know, be sucking his dick and then try to move on to the balls and then try to lick his ass because I know that's not something that he enjoys or finds pleasure with or would bring him joy. Um, either because he has explicitly or implicitly implied that that is not something that he's interested in. So I'm not going to try to negotiate that out of him. That's not something, you know, that I want for him. I want our instances and our exchanges to be pleasurable. And so another thing that is being talked about is the lack of black women's voices around the Me Too movement. So... First of all, we know that there is a community of people who take delight in colonizing everything that they can, right? So we have the Me Too movement, which was started by a black woman. But of course, it has come back to the forefront because white women have hijacked this narrative that um, not only affects them, but also affects us as black women and other women of color. But when you hijack something, you don't honor the spirit in which it was started or given or introduced. So I want people who are using the Me Too hashtag to be mindful of the emotional labor that women of color and black women and femmes of color are doing as we seek to kind of break down these sexually oppressive walls. Be mindful of that. Pay tribute to, give honor to, and don't quote Rose McGowan. Point, period, and the blank. Hi, my name is Vanessa. I'm a doula. My thoughts about consent are that consent is an agreement between individuals. I'm not sure if I remember being taught specifically about the word or the phrase consent, consent, but in high school, my dad would tell me that it was my choice as to when I decided to lose my virginity. And I think that gave me a sense of that I had control over what I wanted to do with my body. The mistakes that people are making when it comes to consent and understanding consent is that it is fluid. A person can consent to something and then later decide that they're not comfortable and rescind their consent. People are... Um, making a mistake when it comes to sexual assault and harassment, primarily as it relates to the workplace and that I think women are told and coerced to be to believe that they have to be nice and then they that they have to be agreeable to contact or things that they don't like. And I also believe that as it relates to street harassment, women are told that they have to be nice to men whoever speak to whenever they speak to them knowing that oftentimes men are nice to women as a beginner to coming onto them some ways that people can get consent from their partner is to ask or to state whatever the sexual activity it is that they would like to do and to get the person to say 
yes. Or as you are in sexual acts, to ask, is this okay? Do you like this? Um, but having conversation prior to sexual activity so that each person is comfortable and aware of the expectation so that they feel comfortable enough to say no if there's something that comes up that they may have previously consented to but decide in the moment that they are uncomfortable. With all movements and things, there is a lack of Black women's voices, and specifically in the Me Too movement, there is a lack of Black women's voices. This is troubling to me as a Black woman and a woman who has experienced the forms of assault and harassment that are discussed in the Me Too movement. It's troubling. It's concerning. I believe that women, Black women, are often an afterthought, are not considered the primary target of these social justice movements, though we are the ones disproportionately experiencing some of the things I think that needs to change. It needs to shift. And justice for one, discrimination, pain, hurt for one, is injustice and hurt and pain for all. We as a society cannot forget about one group of people and expect for change to happen large scale. Hi, my name is Tori. First, I would say that my definition of consent, um, I feel like my definition of consent was more informed of me being a survivor of uh, sexual abuse and kind of having to, I grew up in a church family and so sex wasn't really talked about only in terms of religion and saving ourselves for the man we're supposed to marry and all that stuff. Um, and having gone through, um, you know, speaking up about, uh, being sexually abused by my stepfather and having my family had to deal with that. I kind of had the experience where if I was going to learn anything about sex, I had to take it upon myself to learn it and not rely on, um, what I was being told in church. So I, probably at the age of 13, 14 years old, I was kind of seeking out, um, first using my library and then, you know, kind of seeking out other ways to learn about sex and sexuality. Um, and I have to say part of my learning about consent was, you know, I was a teenager, a teenage girl in the nineties, um, in the early 90s, so I had a girl in my class who did a punk rock zine, and she was part of the Riot Girl movement and introduced me to the Riot Girl movement, and I read the Riot Girl manifesto, got into Bikini Kill and all of those bands, and that's kind of where I've learned about consent. Um, you know, the Riot Girl manifesto was about, you know, girls having a voice and girls standing up for what they want and what they need, lifting up other girls. And so it was through this girl at my high school that I began to read magazines like Bust and uh, read about actual women talking about sex in a way that I had never, you know, knew that we could talk about sex. So sort of my definition of consent 
is, you know, verbally letting someone know what I like sexually, being in a situation where I've always kind of had knowing first, you know, my limits and what I am comfortable with and then being able to verbally express that to somebody else. I feel like with consent, it's very, being a survivor, I had to learn first giving consent to myself that I am a sexual being, that as a black woman, I'm allowed to be sexual and I I am not dirty or perverted or um, wrong in having these feelings. Um, and I feel like that's the first consent that you need to have is consent with yourself and then being able to being in a situation with another person, being able to tell them whether it's, you know, before any clothes come off, letting someone know what I what you're comfortable with, letting someone know that, you know, this is how far I would like things to go. And even going farther to being able to, I always tell anyone that I am going to be sexual with that we first need to talk about what we would like to do with each other. Um, because if we can't say it out loud, then we have no busy, we have no business performing it on each other. But I really feel like first I had to give consent to myself that, you know, it's okay to be sexual. And then once I did that, it was easy for me to be able to either in a hookup situation, in a relationship situation, let someone know this is what I feel comfortable with. This is okay to touch me. This is what I would like to do to you. Is that okay? And it made me more comfortable to be able to bring up the conversation. Sometimes I think the biggest mistake with consent is that not many people, and I've learned this, I'm about to turn 42 on Sunday, and I've learned that so many people are not comfortable with sex. Um, So many people are not comfortable with talking about sex. It's something, it's an action that's done behind closed doors or it's fumbled around with. And I feel one of the biggest mistakes when it comes to consent is um, sexual confidence. And sometimes I, I know in dating, I kind of, I've realized that some men are very put off by me because I am very confident in that area. I'm not afraid to bring it up in a conversation, whether even if it's a conversation of a non-sexy talk or just about sex in general. Um, it's funny how men think that you're flirting with them when you're talking about sex when really um, just having a conversation about sex. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is, first of all, some people not feeling comfortable about sex and talking about what they like and what's pleasurable to them. And then the other thing is kind of like really understanding what it means, the way women are taught about making sure that you aren't doing anything to make someone do something to you. And then men are taught to go after it. And if the first time they, you know, attempt that it, you know, it doesn't work, then try it again. And I believe that sometimes 
the way that we are socially conditioned to date and seek out a partner and stuff like that also has a lot to do with consent and how people understand it, which also kind of brings in the whole thing about understanding sexual assault. I grew up in a black church family, you know, I grew up where my grandparents were from the South and, you know, good girls did this. And if you act a certain way or anything like that, or you were fast, then, you know, those are the consequences of being a bad girl. So I feel like because my upbringing was heavily informed with religion, it was hard at first to truly understand that I had agency over my body, that my body belonged to me. Um, you know, my grandparents, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. So, you know, the whole thing is that you're saving yourself for a good, good black Christian man and you're saving yourself for God and all this stuff. Never being taught that, you know, that my body belonged to me. And I also feel like that kind of environment kind of breeds uh, definitely misunderstandings of what consent is, what it means, what sexual assault truly is, that no matter what kind of clothing I'm wearing, it doesn't mean that I asked for it. Um, it also kind of brings up the, you know, the point of how black women, we are... I think black women, especially black women who are raised in the church, you're you're shown that like you can either be how you present yourself, how you walk, how you talk, your attitude um, is can make things happen to you or make things make people do things for to you. And I really feel like it took a long time for me to realize that as a black woman, I can be sexual, I can be smart, I can be sassy, I can be all of these things and it's okay and I didn't have to be this one thing Um, and I feel like black women who want to express their sexuality. I also feel like one of the other things where consent um, became, you know, me about owning my body and owning who I am was also I was a black girl and I still am a black woman who dates white men and my grandparents were just you know my family was just kind of crazy in a sense where it was like you know white boys only want this from you and you can't date white boys and all that kind of stuff when really I think dating interracially also kind of informed um how I viewed consent and how I needed to be up front, how I needed to um, make sure that I was with somebody that was into me, but also kind of uh, dealing with the stereotypes that many white guys had of black women about being over-sexualized and stuff. So I really feel like there was a lot of cultural aspects that come with trying to navigate um, consent. Um, I feel like in ways that I've communicated to partners, I think being a survivor of sexual abuse really made me 
more adamant about educating myself about sex, but also educating myself about articulating what I, what I need in a partner, what I need, um, to feel safe. And so one of the things, you know, that I always had was if I was in a situation where, you know, meet somebody and I'm, you know, bring them home, I let them know from the start before we even take off clothes, how far I'm willing to go. If this is what they're, what they would like to have done to them, um, you know, safe sex, I won't have sex with you without a condom, all that articulated before we even start touching each other. And that usually indicated to me, you know, what kind of person I was with. And usually once I brought that up, they have the condom and everything and they were okay with um, what I wanted to have done to me, what they wanted to do to me, um, have done to them. And setting that up ahead of time, like having the talk um, before we took off our clothes is what made most of my sexual experiences very, very good, but also um, kind of, you know, I have my own rule about not being able to, if we can't talk about what we'd want to do with each other, um, then we have no business touching each other. And usually when I say that to a guy, it kind of leads to, you know, dirty talk or whatever, or sometimes dirty sex, uh, texts, but feel like if you want to have access to me in that way, you need to be able to articulate that to me. How I feel about the lack of, I feel like when you black and brown women, uh, when you bring black and brown women into the equation of hashtag me too, you really have to, it brings the race and cultural stigma of sexuality and how, you know, in some ways, black women's sexuality has been used as a way to continue to perpetuate racism but also it has you have to talk about i think the reluctance or the lack of the visibility of black women means that we actually have to talk about race and we actually have to talk about pretty much we have to talk about slavery and we have to talk about you know the horrific things that have been done to black women you know the things that we've endured the things that are still going on the you know within the black community Um, I remember when that book, uh, Pushed by Sapphire, came out, you know, and having to deal with the fact that, yes, girls get sexually abused in in Black communities. I really think that to bring, to have visibility in that movement, in this movement, we also have to bring up the harder, harsher details of race. And I don't think just bringing up the details of sexual assault and all that kind of stuff for some people who are, is harsh but to also bring up the fact that you know one of the the women that Oprah Winfrey brought up at the Golden Globes you know raped by a bunch of white dudes you have to bring up that kind of history which I think people aren't ready for but also I feel like you have to bring up the fact that black women have never really owned our own sexual narratives we were either hypersexualized so white women can be seen as pure women or, you know, we're looked at as, you know, something of a mammy type character. And I think that to include black women's voices 
in the Me Too movement, you have to include those narratives. You have to include the racist past and you have to include the fact that black women have kind of, we, we need to, we are sexual beings and we can own our sexuality and we can be these people and have our humanity and as bell hooks would say the white supremacist patriarchal culture um i hope that um your podcast and others um black women will start having the conversation about you know what i found in the riot girl movement um that i can that i have agency over my body that i can you know dictate who I am and that I can be a sexual being be an amazing person be a good student be all these things um and still be black um I hope this was helpful hey Vanessa this is Billy Billy Chavez um I define consent as giving permission, as saying that something is okay or that you uh, want to participate. Um, So you are stating that you want to be like this active participant in whatever is about to happen. Um, You're just agreeing to it. That's pretty much it. Um, I think people like to hope that consent is something more complicated than that, but I think it's legit saying that I agree to this. Um, one important thing about consent is that it can change, right? So I can agree right now at 2 p.m. and then be like, nah, in the middle of it. And so at that point, my consent has changed, right? I don't give consent at this point. And so that's just as valid as when I said I did a few minutes ago. Um, so I think consent is is basically giving permission or agreeing to whatever it is. But it's also important to note that consent can change. So growing up, I was not taught about consent. We didn't have conversations about sex. We didn't have conversations about relationships really at all. We didn't have conversations about our bodies as girls or our thoughts and ideas about relationship or anything. We just didn't have any of those conversations. So um, I wasn't taught as a child. Um, I think... I started to think about consent and form my own ideas in high school. Like maybe as a senior or junior in high school, I started to think about consent. Um, And then I would say in undergrad is where those ideas kind of solidified, where I could talk about consent and I could express my thoughts and ideas about it in a confident way. That really happened during undergrad, I think. Um, I think part of, I guess, my experience with consent is painted with my experience as a, as a survivor of sexual assault. So when I was younger, when I was 10, I was molested. Um, and I think that kind of damaged, damaged my idea about consent because I didn't give him consent. I didn't consent to what he was doing to me. I did not give him permission. I did not agree, um, to anything that happened to me. And I think that that's difficult when you think about consent or when I think about consent, because 
I have to find a way at that point to to heal from that and not only heal from that but also like believe in my own ability to keep myself safe so when I was 10 and those things were happening to me my consent wasn't valuable my consent didn't mean anything right um and so that impacted how I saw myself that impacted how I saw my body and my thoughts around keeping myself safe and so growing up you know, I kept much of this by my, to myself and really started to explore it in undergrad. And I think that's that's no mistake that that is also the time where I can remember solidifying my definition of consent. Um, because I think for survivors, there is like this, this like rebirth, if you will. It sounds really dramatic, but I think it, I think, I think that's pretty accurate. It's like, um, like rising from the ashes types of type of thing that happens when you think about your body and you think about how you keep yourself safe. Um, and I think that has to happen so that you can, you know, walk with your head held high and be able to know that at 28 years old, I give whomever I want permission to touch me and I get to say how and I get to say when it stops and I get to keep myself safe. That is my right, right? So I'm able to say that now very confidently. But as a 10-year-old child, I wasn't able to. As a 13-year-old child, I wasn't able to. Um, and so I think that's an important thing when we kind of talk about consent, especially as survivors, because it kind of shifts. your defin- Maybe not your definition, but your experience of it shifts. The meaning of your own personal consent shifts. Um, and I think that's important to know. I think people don't have the conversation about consent, much like how we did. So it's difficult because I think kids don't get empowered. Um, They don't get to talk about taking charge of their bodies and being confident and keeping themselves safe. That conversation is never had. Um, And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make just by not talking about it at all. Um, I think people need to understand what I mentioned earlier in terms of consent being able to change. So um, I might start, you know, having sex with you, but in the middle of it, if I decide that this is not comfortable or I want this to stop, then you need to understand that at that point, that that is exactly what I need to happen. So you need to stop. We need to stop. This needs to end. So consent can change. Um, What are some ways that partners can get consent? I think this one is tricky um, because I've heard people kind of reference people's consent shifting um, in a way. Um, So like, oh, they agreed in the beginning, but now in the midst of it, they was like, no, but you can't say no. But yes, you can. You can absolutely say no if you want something to stop. And so I think that part of it is partners can get consent, I think, through like nonverbal communication, because I think there's a time, and even thinking back on my own experience, there's been times when I've, you know, been in the middle of a sexual encounter, and I've tensed up, or I've been like, yeah, um, not so much, and so that's my nonverbal communication, that something isn't right, and for whatever reason, it wasn't valued in that moment, um, but I also think that sometimes partners need to be in tune to notice that kind of stuff, because consent is not always verbal, And just like most of our communication is not always verbal, but I think definitely being in tune 
with your partner and kind of understanding their body language and what they want from you. But also don't underestimate having talks, having conversations like, how do I know when I've gone too far? Um, you know, do you want to do this? I've been thinking about this this kind of thing. Would you want to try that? Like having those types of conversations, I think, are also important. To be perfectly honest, I'm not really familiar with the Me Too movement. And I'm kind of like pessimistic as well. <laughs> so I just think that in terms of any movement that kind of happens online, I think that there has to be a really, really intentional effort to have that translate to real life. Because people can be out online, for the lack of a better term. So people can be, you know, a part of the Me Too movement online. But what does that mean for people who are still living in physical spaces with the people who abuse them? Or what does that mean for people, for Black women, who are forced to walk down the city streets and still get catcalled, right? So I think there has to be some kind of, hmm, some kind of like, translation that happens into real life right so people can be a part black women can be a part of the me too movement online but what does that mean in their everyday lives what does that mean for media that doesn't really value or that does not value the black body right what does that mean for black women who are being assaulted in their homes but might be afraid to call the police because if the police come you never know what will happen, right? So all of these things, I think, are connected. And so it's difficult because Black women don't always have the freedom to say or to be a part of movements like this. Because I think to a certain extent, they are based on a level of privilege that a lot of us don't have. So I think I don't, I'm not surprised by the lack of Black women's voices. Um, and I think that Time Magazine made that quite clear that Black women's voices aren't valued in this moment, in this movement. Um, but I think that has always been the case. And so I also think that it's important that we create spaces for Black women specifically to talk about being survivors and to talk about how to keep ourselves safe and to how to um, express consent and, you know, how to be women and to be confident and to feel safe. Um, being black and being a woman is no easy task, no easy thing at all. And I think that part of that is because we rarely feel safe. Um, social media is able to create uh, some kind of safety, but it also depends on like who you follow and if they are connected with your real life family who, you know, might not have known that you were a survivor or may not have known what happened. And so how can you be outed or how can this really impact your everyday everyday life, right? Um, I don't know. I'm not surprised about the lack. Um, it doesn't make me feel good, but I'm just not surprised. Um, I think it's a call to action to create spaces specifically for Black women, um, which I think is important. Hey, this is Candace D. Henry, and my definition of consent is people being clear and respectful of each other's boundaries. I feel that the boundary issue is a major concern on both sides. Uh, for one, if someone says, hey, don't do this or, or stop, 
then that means to stop. Um, but as we know, a lot of people don't feel that way. On the other hand, uh, we do have issues, traumatic issues that come from people's childhood or the way uh, they were raised that relate to um, unhealthy boundaries and not necessarily feeling comfortable enough to tell someone to stop or not feeling comfortable enough to, t to state your needs and your boundaries. So I feel like, yes, we do need to, you know, talk to people, men and women, about um, no means no. But at the same time, I do feel like we need to work within ourselves, and that being men and women as well, to understand uh, what our boundaries are and feeling comfortable with stating our boundaries. Because with the way we're raised or with how with things that we go through in our young adulthood, it can be um, a murky area for some people to clearly understand their own needs enough to express them to others. Um, I was taught about consent um, with, you know, the initial don't let anybody touch your private parts, that sort of thing as a young child. Um, how I learned about rape was a very interesting thing. Um, I was very young when the movie The Accused came out. So I didn't really understand it, but I was told to watch this rape scene and it made me feel disgusting. But that was the point, And I think they wanted to, they wanted me to understand what rape looked like, but there wasn't a lot of explanation. Um, there were other things. There's a, a book called Make Me Want to Holler. And in that book, there's a scene where uh, he explains, or not a scene, a chapter where he explains how a young woman from his neighborhood went to go visit a boy and ended up being set up for a train. Not really understanding what a train was. And then reading all of that to learn what that is and then see the whole process. The author, I cannot recall his name. I think it's Nathan McCall, I believe is his name. Um, he really goes into detail into the young woman's struggle with the situation. She was basically put in a situation where she felt trapped and outnumbered. And so she really felt scared, too scared to get up and leave and was kind of set up in a situation that she didn't want and pretty much spent the whole entire time with her hands over her face. Now, if we take that into what we're going through today, I would hope that, um, as my parents did, young parents, older parents, whoever, they teach their children about how if someone looks uncomfortable, that's not where they want to be. You don't want to be in a situation where someone looks uncomfortable. When people cover their face and cry, that's not something, that's not a positive sexual situation. So I believe with the consent concern, we really need to also talk about, you know, what does happiness in a sexual situation look like? Is someone crying? No. If someone starts crying, leave. Don't do not do it. But these are, when we talk about consent, I don't think we're getting that detailed. But the, uh, the damage and the healing is in the details. Understanding consent is also related to understanding your own boundaries. So if someone doesn't understand their own boundaries, 
you know, how can they understand their own rights in a sexual situation? Like, you know what? Yes, I can leave. Yes, I can go. I don't have to be here. Um, that is, I think, a, a big, 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 big part of what we have here because I think right now people are getting confused and I think it's on both sides. Um, what are some ways that partners can get consent? I think we have to have a level of emotional intelligence across the board in our entire society for every reason and on all levels. Um, getting consent would be, are you okay with this? Are you comfortable? I've had sexual experiences where people ask, are you comfortable right now? Are you okay? And that's, I think, what we need to do is to kind of check in. Now, in the regular world, I've heard people say they don't like people to ask them that question. They just want somebody to go for it. And I could see how that could be confusing for people who are the more aggressive person in the sexual situation. Because I've I've had women tell me, hey, you know, I, I just don't want to talk about it. I want them to just go for it. This guy just said... You know, do you want to do this? Are you comfortable? And it just turned me off. Well, that is kind of a weird situation. I mean, when you think about the different spectrums that we have, um, I have unique ways that I deal with certain things. Um, for example, I just had a discussion yesterday about how uncomfortable it made me that a man told me, um, I'm going to fuck you. Now, I was not interested in this man. I pretty much moved his, you know, it's a business situation. So I kind of made sure he understood that I was not interested. He's touchy. I'm telling him, like, let's keep it business. And he's like, you know, it might be hard for me, than it, uh, harder for you than it is for me. Just weird stuff. And then he says, you know, I'm going to fuck you one day. And I said, to hell you will. Now, when I talked about this with some of my male friends, they say to me, oh, well, I've said that to girls and you know, that turned them on. And I'm like, hell no, that turns me off. So we've got different spectrums of interest and different spectrums of boundaries and different, you know, what turns people on and what doesn't. It doesn't turn me on for someone I'm not interested in sexually, who I've told to get back up off of me, who I've said, I'm not interested in you, for them to then tell me they're going to fuck me. Because at that point, I feel threatened. And I feel like when you come around, I might have to punch you. So on the other hand, if we're dealing with two people where one does see interest, maybe that could be a good thing. But that's just not how I fly. Even if I am interested in someone, they would just turn me off for them to just say, I'm going to fuck you. Huh? Why would you say that? Anyway, um, so first off, I believe it was a black woman who started the Me Too movement and it kind of got, you know, hijacked um, by people of other cultures or by, you know, more white people which I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing I just wish that more credit would be given to the person who originally started it um, so that it could unite everyone as far as their voices not being heard um, I do feel like we are heard I feel like we need to have our media outlets cover the movement for us in the same way that the other media outlets are covering it for them. And I believe that would make it a lot easier for our voices to reverberate through the, the ethers and just to let everyone know. 
Um, the Time's Up movement, I love the way that was executed. I mean, if Me Too was executed in the same way, that would have been great um, by those same people. But it can't. It just can't work like that because they're different movements and movements are their own um, entities. And, you know, that's just how it works. But I feel like if our culture dictates so much and makes so many different changes uh, for society, then our press needs to kind of back us up. And to make those sounds a little bit louder for us so that our voices can be more heard.